0: Blog
1: Talk Radio. Welcome to the Black Bar on Blog Talk Radio. Sit back and engage as we tackle the issues important to you and your family. It is our desire to equip you with up-to-date information, commentary, and solutions to life's biggest challenges facing our communities. Thank you for joining us as we embark on this journey to raise awareness about the importance of faith, family, and fatherhood in the African American community and beyond. Now, here's your host, Executive Director at Fathers Incorporated, Kenneth Braswell.
2: You're listening to The Black Bar On Air. I'm your host, Kenny Braswell, and you are in the midst of our dialogue series about daughters. The series is a part of the National Save Our Daughters Night Campaign that will take place on May 8th. For more information on that, you can reach us at www. SaveOurDaughtersNight.com. On the phone, I have a very, very good friend, long um, friend in the work and in the struggle of doing the best we can, particularly for our families, um, specifically for our black families. Um, She is Nisa Mohammed. She is the co-founder of Black Marriage Day and the CEO of Wedded Bliss Foundation, a community-based organization helping teens, singles, and couples develop healthy relationships and healthy marriages to improve their lives, better the outcomes for children, and create stronger communities. How you doing, Lisa?
0: I'm doing so good. Thank you for having
2: me. Um, it is such a pleasure. We always have such a great conversation when we talk about relationships. Um, and marriage, and I have so much footage of you with so much great information. At one point, i got to go back and start pulling stuff in conversations that you and I have had and begin to start putting together little small um, snippets of conversations so that people can have the opportunity to hear the breadth of your knowledge with respect to this subject. Tell us a little bit about what's going on in your life right now.
0: Well, right now, we're getting ready for Black Marriage Day. Black Marriage Day is March 22nd, and all around the country, community organizations and different people are getting ready to launch their Black Marriage Day events on March 22nd, and this is going into, like, our 12th year of doing this. I'm so amazed at how many years people have just been committed and devoted to celebrating marriage in the black community, and our theme this year is Respect the Ring, Respect the Rock. And so we're looking for couples to really take this challenge and really people in our community to take the challenge and accept the responsibility of respecting marriage. Because too often we know somebody who's messing around, we know somebody who's cheating, and our silence about it co-signs the behavior. Mm. And so we want people in our community to respect marriage to respect the sanctity of marriage and to really uphold the sacredness of what it means to go before God and community and say vows if I do.
2: Wow. And you better let me know how I can help you. Um, Don't allow me to sit back silently and not be able to help you push and press uh, March 22nd in any way I can and to even do something. That would be so wonderful. Um, So let's offline talk about how I can help doing that for you. Okay.
0: I really appreciate that.
2: So, we're going to be talking today, um particularly about our girls and I was having a conversation with someone about the atmosphere uh, to which our girls are dating and I posed a question to someone, and I said, "Is Prince Charming dead um Is this whole notion of a knight in shining armor and a fairy tale wedding still a realistic goal um for our daughters and we got into this really deep discussion about. Um, the future of our daughters being able to find um the kind of men um that we would want them to marry, and we started the conversation in talking about um the notion of love and and what love is. do we even know what love is anymore?
0: I think for a lot of us the answer is no. I think because we've come from such brokenness in our backgrounds, our childhoods, our previous relationships, it's very hard now to identify and understand what love is. Part of the problem is that a lot of us have confused lust and love, and it's really become a tragedy. The average black girl, our daughters, start sex, their sexual debut is earlier than any other girl on the planet. Sometimes as early as 12, 13, 14, some girls as young as 10 and 11. And so, with that early sexual debut, she goes a long time from one relationship to another. In fact, one broken relationship after another until possibly in her 20s, mid 20s, or late 20s before she can find the right person and then settle down. So, she typically has, and this is just on average, she has over a decade of sexual activity from one broken relationship to another broken relationship to another broken relationship before she could possibly find the right man. So now think of what that does to a woman's heart, a young woman's heart. How does she really know what love is? How does she know that a man really wants her and adores her and is going to love her and honor her and respect her when she's gone from one broken relationship to another? And so so, so a lot of us, a lot of our young women, even older women who have, have, have decades of sexual experiences with one broken relationship after another, to then find what love really is, it's so tragic that our women have to experience this. But that's the reality of what today is offering our girls, just One
2: broken heart after another, unfortunately. Wow. And, you know, part of, you know, the whole issue of love and and, and getting to the kind of relationship that allows you to ultimately get to, you know, marriage and get to strong, healthy relationships is this issue of commitment. Um, Don't we know what that means anymore?
0: You know, commitment is really a strange word for a lot of us, but it's sadly that it is because, see, commitment and sacrifice go hand in hand. And what I teach in my classes is that if you're not willing to make a sacrifice for this person you're with or for this relationship, you're really not committed to this. And if, in fact, you are committed, then you're willing to make a sacrifice. But the thing is that too many times our young people are so involved in what they think is love and what they see is love, and they want this love to last, but they have no understanding or no clue as to how to make love last. And really marriage is the best way to make your love last. Marriage corrals love. It gives it rules. It gives it regulations. It gives it boundaries so that the love is guaranteed to last. Most of it, I mean, of course, every marriage doesn't work. doesn't wind up being forever and ever. But marriage is the best chance to give any young couple, really any couple, the opportunity for their love to last.
2: Yeah, you know, the other thing that it gives you is it gives you a level of spiritual freedom. I was... Uh, uh, we just released, not released, but we did a screening of our newest project, Dark Hearts, which really explores um, the way couples, particularly non-resident parents, don't communicate. And we did the screening at our church um, in New York, and we were introducing the church, and my wife and I was on stage, and I was sharing with them a story because the day that we did the screening was Valentine's Day and I told them that I was in the mall, and I was walking down the mall, and I saw Victoria's Secrets, and I looked over and said to myself, wow, you know, I should go in and get my wife something nice, but I always go into Victoria's Secrets, and it always gets her something nice out of there, but two doors down from Victoria's Secrets was Frederick's of Hollywood, and so we know the contrast in both Victoria's Secrets and Frederick of Hollywood, but as I walked towards them, I kind of turned towards Frederick of Hollywood, and I was, looking in the window, and I was like, ooh, that looks interesting. But in the back of my head, I was saying to myself, you know what? I'm married. I don't have to ask permission to walk into Frederick Hollywood and get something for my wife. Yeah. <laughs> it was like this level of epiphany and freedom that my brain was saying to myself, even if I ask God right now, is it okay for me to go into of Hollywood and get something for my wife? He might say to me, you know what, my son, go ahead, have at it. That's what, that's that's what That's what I offer you. Uh, when you get married, the level of freedom well, to it, enjoy each it, other. It
0: is a freedom. And a lot of times people think it's the complete opposite. But in that marriage bounds you or it binds you, and it's like an albatross, and you know, you're really stuck, and it's a loser's deal. But, in fact, marriage really does free you. I'm so glad you mentioned it. It really is a very freeing experience. You know, the auditions are over. You don't have to get ready for somebody. and hope they like you or, or hope they don't like you. Or, or what if you make a mistake or say the wrong thing? Or, or just, just keep it moving. Marriage frees you from
2: all of that. Right. You know, we talk a lot about um, modeling for our girls and what is influencing our girls with respect to who they are um, and how they present themselves, you know, to a prospective mate. But who is determining the model today? Because back in the day it used to be um, family and church. Uh, Who is determining the model um, that determines who our girls are today?
0: You know, I think unfortunately, and I hate to always something negative I start with, but let me start with something positive this time. I think more and more parents are seeing the necessity and the responsibility of making it a priority of helping their girls find the right mate. Once upon a time, and still in some regards, education used to be the priority for a young person growing up. Go to the right school, you know, get a good job, get your education straight, and you'll be fine. But we're seeing now that that's not enough. We're seeing now that the wrong relationship can derail all a young person's plans. Mm -hmm. The wrong relationship. I was speaking at Towson University to a freshman class and asked the girls, how many of you have been in a relationship that has been so traumatic you didn't even want to go to class the next day? Nearly half of the girls raised their hands. So... That wrong relationship that they were in, or some of them are still in, is allowing them still wasting somebody's money who is paying for them to go to school. Mm-hmm. So that it is traumatizing them when they don't even want to go to class. The wrong relationship can send the per they'll lose a job, they'll they'll drop out of school. But the right relationship with the right support allows the person to soar in life helps them keep a good job, helps them be better for a, a bonus, or a raise, helps them to want to look for a new job, helps them to excel in their studies. The right relationship empowers male and female. And especially for a woman, it boosts her self-esteem. She knows that she's, she has somebody that loves her and honors her and respects her. She's not a booty call anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, she's just not somebody, some chick on the side. I mean, so it, it's the right relationship for a woman Does wonders and so I think more and more mothers are seeing the necessity to get involved in their daughter's lives and say well let's see who who is this guy and and what is he about and and what are his intentions so it's 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 amazing the things that mothers are doing now to model and make sure that their daughters are selecting the right name
2: when you were growing up did you have a dream um for the kind of husband that you wanted and how that was going to happen for you and did it happen that way
0: I had the dream and no it did not. It's amazing the disconnect between <laughs> dream and reality. And I think that's the that's the truth for a lot of young people. When I'm talking to teens, I ask them, I give them this little rhyme to finish, Michael and Janet sitting in a tree. Mm-hmm. K I K-I-S-S-I-N-G. first
2: comes
0: Love. Then comes
2: marriage.
0: Then comes
2: I'm pushing a baby carriage or
0: something like that. Exactly. So then I stopped by that and I said, now let's modernize it. So we have Shanika and Ray Ray. You know, so we got Shanika and Ray Ray sitting in a tree. They're doing the same thing. K I S S I N G for them. First comes sex. Mm. Then comes the baby. Then comes child support. There's no love and there's no marriage. So now this is young people modernizing this. And I asked them, which one would you rather have? Which lifestyle, if you could. Pick right now, which lifestyle would you have? 100% of the time, they choose first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes the baby carriage. The problem is they don't know how to get there. It's like, you know what? I want to drive to New York. I have no map, I have no GPS. I have nobody who's ever been in New York. I have nobody who knows how to get there. And I'm trying to get to New York. I just can't get there. Mm-hmm. That's how it is for our young people. They want something. They just don't know how to get there. They want a good life. They don't want all the drama with baby mama drama and get baby daddy here, baby daddy there. They want first comes love. They want then marriage. They want baby carriage in that order. They don't know how to get there, and there are very few resources in their community to act as a GPS to help them get there.
2: Wow. You're listening to The Black Bar. I'm your host, Kenny Braswell, and we are in the midst of our dialogue about daughters series. It is part of our national Save Our Daughters Night campaign that takes place May 8th. For more information on it, you can go to our website at campaign. My guest today, Nisa Muhammad, she is the co-founder of Black Marriage Day that takes place this year on March 22nd. And we are talking today and discovering whether or not, or at least analyzing in whether Prince Charming is dead or not for our girls. And how we are navigating the space of relationships and how we are poisoning them to, not poisoning them, but poisoning them to Um, get the kind of mate that they dream of you know um, Nisa when um, we enter the conversation or introduce the conversation um, of sex we don't talk about how that notion of waiting to get married has been destroyed how did that happen how did we destroy the whole notion that people should wait for sex until they get married
0: you know, we've, we've bought into the hype that, um, you know, it's just sex, that but, but it's really nothing, that there's nothing sacred, there's nothing valuable about it, anybody can do it. You know, with the whole sexual liberation, with the whole advent of modern technology and family planning methods, you know, we've just bought into the hype that it doesn't matter. And the culture has gone along with it, and the music is added into that. So that once upon a time, you know, Black men sang songs to women about, I love you, I want to be with you, I want to marry you, I want to build a future together, let's, let's build a life. But it's a very different thing today. So all of those kind of songs help to gravitate and help to encourage people toward long-lasting relationships. But I was thinking at Morehouse College, right, in Atlanta, and I asked the guys, I said, um, name me a song where a black man is singing, preferably to a black woman, but a black man is singing and saying, I love you. Just name me one song. And the guys looked around like I had asked them to fly to the moon. And they were like, I love you. And I was like, yeah. You know, one guy raised me and said, uh, how about a song, I love your body? Not close. <laughs> not even close. And they could not name one popular song that they listened to where a man ashamed to a woman, I love you. So so even the music that our young people are reared in, that they nursed on a constant basis, that music encourages sex without responsibility. Mm. It encourages sex without responsibility. So we wonder how we got here. I'm not into making love. I'm just into having sex, 50 cents. You know, the culture and the music today, the movies, all of that, encourage especially young black children to have sex without responsibility.
2: And there's no monitoring mechanism in place, and I think that's the biggest issue. Where is the monitoring system or the accountability system?
0: No, there's totally no monitoring and there's totally no accountability. But see, it's just just our community. Other people have music that talks about love and marriage and, you know, we're going to be together. Other people have that. They have movies, you know, that that are like that. Our movie, Why Did I Get Married? Why did I get married, too? Mm. You know, other people have, like, for example, um, 40, 42 dresses. I think it was like 40 dresses mm. where this young white girl had been in so many weddings. She had been, maybe 24 dresses. She had been in so many weddings as a bridesmaid. And her, her, her lament was, I have never been a bride. I've been in so many weddings as a bridesmaid. I asked young black women, how many of you have been to 20 weddings? Nobody raises their hands. Mm. Okay, how many of you have been to ten weddings? Nobody raises their hands. Okay, ninety five five married friends. that can't do it. Mm. So, so, so the culture is very different. Whereas their movies are all about love, marriage, and you know, I, I've been a bridesmaid, never been a bride. We don't, we, we don't have the same kind of cultural encouragement for marriage. There's never been a black bachelor on TV. There never will be a black baxter. Three black men tried to sue ABC because they have never had a black baxter, and they said, hey, this is our show. (laughs) It's your own show.
2: (laughs) And we can't even have that argument because we don't have our own media.
0: We don't have our own media. So the accountability, the monitoring is definitely not there, but it's really something that parents have to do. Parents have to do that kind of monitoring and just say, hey, wait a minute, you know, I really don't want you listening to this. I remember my youngest son uh, came home one day. My younger son was more Morehouse. He came home one day with a T-shirt that said, "My girlfriend has a girlfriend." I was like, "Take it off, take it off. You're not, you're not wearing that." "Said, this is this a T-shirt? Take it off right now. You're not wearing that. You're, you're, you're perpetuating something that we don't go, we don't believe in, that we don't support. So take that off right there. So, but parents have to be vigilant."
2: Yeah, but you know what? You always know, have to
0: be vigilant.
2: Yeah, how do you and you know I'm I'm asking the question just because I wanna pose the conversation, but how do you stop what we see as the dysfunction in our children when the dysfunction is also taking place with their parents?
0: Well see, so, you know, that's part of part of the problem. Part of the problem is is, is really parents. And and one of the things that um the we see now in, in the evolution of generations that this generation that we're seeing now are not doing as well as their parents did, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's, a, that's a problem. Generations are supposed to do better than their parents. Unfortunately, we have a generation now that are not doing as well as their parents did in a variety of areas in terms of family, education, wealth, accumulation, income. They're not doing as well as their parents did, and that is part of the problem. When when children, when you're not doing well, it's hard for your children to do well. And I think part of it is that we have, we've abdicated some very basic values that have helped us to be successful for, for generations. You know, we have all, we have typically valued marriage and family. Now we have the lowest marriage rate in the country, mm-hmm. and and we're seeing the consequences of that. We have become the poster child for the single-parent family, and this is not a diss against single-parent families. I was a single parent for a long time, so I understand the struggles, but we're not offering to say, you know what, being a single parent is one thing, but what is the standard we want to offer to our children? When I speak around the country, I ask the audience, how many of you want your um, son – to be a single parent dad facing child support enforcement, wage garnishment, seeing his child when the mother says it's okay or every other weekend, maybe in the summer, or having to go through the courts or a gatekeeper to have access to his child. How many want that for your sons? Nobody raises their hands. Mm -hmm. How many of you want your daughter to be a single mom where she's faced with trying to track down a dad? who didn't really want to be a father, who wanted relations with her, but didn't want a relationship with the child, to get uh, child support, you know, and find him and beg him to have a relationship with his child. How many want this for their daughter? Nobody wants it. But then we say we don't want it, but we're not doing anything, or we're doing very little to prevent it. So there's a disconnect, again, between what we say we want and the actuality and the reality of the lives that we lead. You know, we have to be able to say, I don't want this for you, you don't want this for you, you're not doing it, we're not having it, and these are the steps we're going to make to prevent it.
2: Wow. You know, um, I was interviewing uh, Dr. Jeff Gardia, particularly about the impact of fatherlessness um, on our daughters, and we were also discussing, you know, the issue to which many of our boys are being brought up in single family women headed households and I was saying to him that you know oftentimes when I get a phone call from a mom who is looking for either mentorship or assistance from her for her children that is often it is often her sons. They never ask for assistance with respect to their daughters. You know, and some people might say, you know, that Kenny this question is unfair. You know, but with so many black boys being brought up, you know, in a home headed by women, wouldn't you think that they would be raising, with respect to boys, the perfect husband? And I ask that just to make a point uh, with respect to how are we missing raising marriage-minded boys?
0: Very good question. Well, of course, it's very hard to teach marriage if you're not married yourself. Mm-hmm. Even though you would think, I, okay, I'm in this situation. I don't want this for you. Let me teach this for you. But one of the things is that when we're rearing children as a single parent, we're rearing children through a feminine lens because mm-hmm. that's all we know. Mm-hmm. That is all we know. And that's why it really takes two. It really takes two parents to do the best we can for our child we just have one, we're doing the best we can, but sometimes our best is not good enough. Our best just gets our children so far, but there's so much farther that they have to go. And really, we are not always marriage-minded. We want education for our children. We want a good job for them. But we don't always value marriage, and that's part of our problem. We have to begin to look at marriage differently. Marriage makes a difference. The unfortunate thing is that marriage is fast becoming the province of the white, the rich, and the educated. And if you don't fall in one of those three categories, you're generally not looking at marriage, you know, too seriously. I work with couples in the D.C. area, and a lot of them are single. have been Have been I mean, they're they're live together or they've been with somebody for years, five, six, seven, eight years. And no one has ever mentioned them, mentioned to them about getting married until they come to my class. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm talking about it every week. you know. And, and, and they are stunned when they hear all of the benefits of marriage, you know, the advantages of being married. They are stunned. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of my classes, that the couple had lived together for a certain amount of time, and then they were breaking up. They had an 8-year-old, 9-year-old son, and so the mother was telling the, the son... Um, your dad and I are are breaking up. So the son said, you're getting a divorce? She's like, divorce? We're not married. The son burst into tears. He thought his parents were married. They're both his biological parents. He said, I told everybody in my class that my parents were married. I was the only one in my class who had married parents. And now you're telling me you're not married? He was devastated. He cried. She cried. So, of course, they broke up, but they got back together. They came to my son. She said, my son deserves married parents.
2: Mm.
0: She said, I want him to be able to hold his head up high and say, again, truthfully now, my parents are married. See, we don't know what it does to children, our children, to be able to say their parents are married. We think it's nothing. But it's all, what's nothing to us is really a big deal to other people. It's really a big deal for children to be able to share in a world where Baby daddy's everywhere to be able to say, my parents are married.
2: Right. You know, and I think about the same thing, you know, with respect um, to my son now, because my son, you know, is now six. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, when you look at your children, you see your own life through that lens. You know, and there are moments where I look at him and I wonder what it must feel like to have only known To live in a house with both of your married parents.
0: Isn't that amazing? You know, it's shown on Chris Rock. On Chris Rock's show, Everybody Loves Chris.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. And on the show, Chris would always say he loved waking up knowing his dad was going to be there. And it was such a comfort to him knowing he didn't have to worry about where's my dad, I'm going to go find my dad, I'm going to talk to my dad today. That he woke up knowing and loving and feeling comforted by the fact that his dad was going to be there every morning that he woke up. Now, it was also a comfort to his mom because his mom, for anybody who uh, watched that show, Everybody Hates Chris, his mom was always quitting her job. Mm-hmm. And the reason why she could quit her job at a moment's notice, she wasn't taking nothing from nobody because my husband works too, yeah. <laughs> and that's why I can go home.
2: <laughs>
0: right. so, so, so the comfort and the self-esteem booster for a woman to know, I
2: work because I want to work, not because I have to work. Wow. Yeah. You know, when you don't have, unfortunately, a father um, in your life, you know, oftentimes we are the lens, you know, to which our daughters are able to understand what a good man looks like. Um, When that person is not in the lives of our girls, where do they get that image from?
0: You're absolutely right. And, it, and, and, and it's horrible and painful to think of the places where they get that image. And and, and not even so much as the image, but to understand the way a man is supposed to care for you. Because mm-hmm. when, a, when a girl has a dad in her life, he's her first man. He cares for her. He talks to her in a certain way. He treats her in a certain way. She knows what she can take and what she doesn't have to take because her father is now the gauge. In the absence of that gauge, you know, our girls are treated horribly, they're talked to horribly, you know, they have horrible experiences because they, they don't have a gauge of what to accept and what not to accept. So and unless a mother is giving them this information, you know, we see the rise in um, domestic violence now in relationships, intimate partner violence now. And, you know, part, it's all sexually related because Our girls are involved in sexual relationships with people that are not ready to be in a relationship. Mm. A lot of times people are not emotionally stable and not emotionally secure, and our girls in these relationships, they get beat up, they get abused. I mean, it's just really sad what our girls have to endure, but in the absence of a father to give a girl a gauge to say A, B, C, and D, A, B, C, and D. And it's not A, B, C, and D. Keep it moving, brother. Keep yeah.
2: it moving because you're not uh, ready for my daughter. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, oh, man, we time just always seems to go so fast. But I do have one more question for you, and I've posed this question to all of the people that I've interviewed so far. And that is, if God gave you the power right now to eliminate one issue for our girls, what would it be and why?
0: Oh, I think that gives me the power to eliminate one issue. I would eliminate the issue of um, out of wedlock childbirths, mm-hmm. because it becomes such a challenge for our girls to get over and have to deal with. You know, we have the highest out of wedlock childbirth rate than any of anybody else. Highest out of wedlock childbirth. and so so we're we're already starting the situation, you know, in a in a negative. But now and I don't mean to say that the children are negative, I'm not trying to put a blame on anybody, but it's a challenge for our girls to have to overcome. And I think a lot of lot more of our girls could be even more successful without that challenge.
2: Wow. Lisa, thanks so much uh for Thank being you. on this show. Let's tell people how they can get in touch with you and how they can help support Black Marriage Day.
0: Oh, definitely. Go to blackmarriageday.com to get more information about Black Marriage Day. You can also find me at WeddedBliss, Inc., Inc., dot com. You can email me there, Nisa at N-I-S-A, at WeddedBlissInc.com. dot com. I would love to hear from your listeners.
2: You're listening to The Black Bar, and you are in the midst of our dialogue about daughters. It is part of our national Save Our Daughters campaign, which takes place on May 8th. For more information on that, you can go to our website at www.saveourdaughtersnight.com. Be
1: blessed. You've been listening to The Black Bar on Blob Talk Radio with your host, Kenneth Braswell. Thank you for joining us as we continue to bring you the best in provocative, stimulating, and empowering dialogue. If you would like to support or learn more information about Fathers Incorporated, visit us at www.fathersincorporated.com, on Twitter at F-A-T-H-E-R-S-I-N-C-O-R-P, and follow us on Facebook at Fathers Incorporated. Remember, your self-sacrificing devotion to your purpose in life and your unwavering faith will carry you through the times of difficulty. Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King. Until next time, be wonderfully and abundantly blessed.